TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Pull up a rock by the campfire. It's time for that paleo show with your hosts, Sarah Stewart, Steve Hayter, and the man with no shoes, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Sarah Stewart. I'm Steve Hayter. And I'm Brett Hill. I love today's guest because she is all about the food. I know that in my quest for health, I have done just about every ridiculous dietary fad out there. Not joking. So I've done lemon detoxes, calorie restriction, shakes, slimming bars, and I am ashamed to say it, but I've done the lotions, potions, pills, the works. So the thing about paleo for me, and I know that I'm not alone in this, is that it allowed me to give myself permission to break up with my disastrous relationship with food and to start enjoying it. Literally just eat real food and reap the benefits. I know that stacks of our listeners out there can relate to what I went through. One minute we're told to eat foods low in fat. The next minute salt will kill us. And then they make butter out to be the bad guy. So one of my true joys has always been eggs, so much so that Steve and I joke, that's no yolk, (laughs) about creating a cookbook dedicated solely to singing the praises of eggs. You can imagine my devastation when I'm told in order to achieve the physique I was aiming for at the time, I had to cut out the egg yolks. I'm actually cringing in my chair thinking about this. Um, I bought cartons of egg whites and I purchased them willingly and consumed them thinking I was doing the best thing for myself. So thank God someone is doing something to stop the madness. Um, Today's guest in her latest book, Eat the Yolks, blows this myth out of the water. Yolks are back on, kids. So the amazing and funny Liz Wolf is a writer and a nutritional therapy practitioner. Liz definitely walks the talk and is an avid hobby farmer with pasture-raised goats, pigs and chickens and an organic garden. I had a bit of a giggle actually when I found out that like me, Liz has a black thumb, so there's hope for me yet. Um, (laughs) Her passion for real food stems from her very own powerful transformation and through her experience in discovering the power of real food, Liz got healthier, cleared acne, resolved skin issues, slept better and felt better than ever before. Through her books, website and Cave Girl Eats social media, she inspires thousands of us daily and shows us that by ditching the diet dogma and filling our lives with real nourishing food, we can achieve the same amazing benefits that she has. In her quest to get to the bottom of modern food mythology, Liz uncovered all kinds of crazy lies and beliefs that we've been fed throughout the years. So, Eat the Yolks is her story and how-to guide for discovering paleo, how to fight these food lies and how to reclaim your health. Welcome to the show, Liz Wolf. Oh my goodness. I was warned that you all give the best introductions ever. <laughs> I've just been smiling like a crazy person here. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you are most welcome. We're equally excited, Liz. We've got um, some <laughs> awesome questions lined up for you, and I know our, our listeners are, are going to reap the benefits of our discussion today. Um, awesome. So your story, I think, is really powerful, and it resonates so well because it's one that we can all relate to. Um, can you tell us a bit about your journey and what um, happened in the lead-up to you uh, writing Eat the Yolks? 
Of course. I, I, I did the same things that you did. (laughs) Crazy diets, dumb, you know, calorie restriction, Mm. what anything in a box or a package (laughs) that had the word diet on it or, you know, weight watchers or, or any, you know, diet buzzword, I would totally fall for just hook, line and sinker. And really, you know, I'll talk, I'm talking both about a physical transformation, but also kind of an emotional and and internal transformation. You know, you see amazing before and after pictures from folks who've lost hundreds of pounds and that type of thing. That's not what you see with me. For me, physically, I struggled with eczema and weird skin problems through college and after college. I didn't make great decisions, I think, because really I was struggling with some subclinical emotional issues. I didn't sleep well. Most of all, I wasn't happy at all. Mm-hmm. And I kind of confused looking a certain way, like changing my body to look like, you know, this celebrity or thinking that I was supposed to look like a model and, you know, really putting pressure on myself to diet and to get, you know, to change my body. And Really, that whole time, I was not for a second thinking about health yeah. at all. It was all it was all image related, you know, and that was what kind of kept me in that same cycle of skin issues and and issues with food, emotional issues with food, and and all of that stuff. And that was just so toxic for me. And and during all of that, I never realized that I didn't have to deal with eczema and acne and being unhappy or having poor sleep. But at the time, I just assumed those were normal things that, you know, everybody has their thing. You know, some people have indigestion and some people have, you know, digestive issues. And those were just my things and everybody had something. But in changing my food and my emotional relationship with food and focusing on nourishing myself and exploring this amazing world of real food, like you were talking about, not only did I change kind of what I care about, which is now being healthy versus looking a certain way, I also actually resolved those those nagging issues as well. So it's been it's been amazing. Liz, um, Liz you, you've got such you've a got great group of people that you surround yourself with, and I think one of the things that really shines through now, which I think maybe going down the path that uh, that you and Sarah were talking about before, is is just having that amazing vitality that that you have uh, by eating those real foods long term, and and just becoming more and more healthy. Uh, one of the things uh, I'm curious about is when you started out your journey, um, who were some of the who were some of the influences uh, with with that helped shape your journey early on, and um, when you came across health issues perhaps that didn't resolve with with you know maybe like a paleo reset thirty days or something, um, how did you go about um, getting some getting some assistance medically with that stuff? Oh, this is an awesome question. Well, I love to plug the the coach that introduced me to this concept in the first place way back in the day coach Michael Rutherford at Bootcamp Fitness Kansas City he is a strength and conditioning genius a CrossFit affiliate owner and just a phenomenal all-around guy and at the time I had gone to him hoping to you know change my body as as I had been wanting to do for many years but what I got instead was kind of a, a reality check which was if you want to look better you need to start to feel better, and that means you need to change your food. And that was just the start of everything. And Rut, you're amazing. Thank you for everything you've done for me. And of course, he was influenced by Rob Wolf. And you know, I found 
Diane and Nora Gedgaudis, who wrote Primal Body, Primal Mind, and Lear Keith, who wrote The Vegetarian Myth. And from there, I was down this rabbit hole of, you know, sustainable grass-based, pasture-raised farmers and integrating the sustainability thing with local food movement and and all of that, which is how I ended up on a farm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been quite the journey. But also with with kind of working within the medical paradigm, specifically trying to heal my skin. I went to a ton of dermatologists. Um, I begged one of them to put me on Accutane, which is a really, really potent and controversial mm-hmm. drug for yeah. it's, I mean it's 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 serious. And at the time I didn't I didn't understand that. I just felt like you could hammer your body with medications with no consequences. And I think now we understand like with antibiotic resistance, we understand that there are consequences to trying to patch up problems that maybe are happening because of a poor diet or lifestyle with medication. It's a band-aid that doesn't treat the root of the problem. So I actually, after many years of being prescribed all kinds of different topical stuff for my skin, I just slowly ditched everything and realized that if I was working on nutrition, digestive health, and using non-toxic products on the outside of my body as well, that seemed to be far more powerful and a much better long-term solution. Love it. Love it. Isn't that just a great philosophy for life, isn't it? I mean, that that just sums it up just perfectly. So So what did you start with, Liz? Like, what were the first changes you made? And I guess, what were the changes you made that you felt had the biggest impact Mm -hmm. as well? Oh my goodness. I, I feel like it's been, I'm an old lady now. I've been doing this for. (laughs) I've seen your photo. You are not an old lady. Oh, I had a good photographer. Great lighting. (laughs) Work wonders. But, uh, I'm trying to think what we did. You know, we started out kind of with the conventional, you know, four week challenge and cutting out processed food, which I think is 99% of the battle for most people is is getting rid of their attachment to processed foods. So we tried to do that, break that attachment in the first few weeks. And of course, I, I started blogging about it, which is where the whole blog thing started. And But at that point, we were really just seeing, I think, the tip of the iceberg of the benefits we could reap from a, a real food plan, a paleo plan. And while a lot of things improved, I still had skin issues. So I felt better. I was sleeping better. I just felt really good about what I was doing, what I was learning. But until I started continuing to learn and accumulate information over weeks, months, and even years, until I did that and and started to understand how critical, not just like, you know, chicken breast, broccoli, and coconut oil, because that's, you know, easy, that's safe. We all know how to eat those. But really like, trying the foods that are incredibly rich in nutrients that maybe are a little bit newer, you know, so like beef liver and sardines and all of those yucky foods that most of us weren't brought up eating until I started really seeking nutrients. I I didn't see all of the benefits that I, I see now. Wow, that's fantastic um, and so applicable to where so many of us are at now. Liz, in regards to your book, let's talk about that because I think it's fantastic. Um, what I love about it is that 
I'm not necessarily your typical book um, worm, but it's so easy to read um, and you've injected obviously a lot of yourself into it. It's quite funny um, and it's a good punch, but it's got the information in there that's so relatable. Um, Can you tell us um, what can someone who grabs a copy of your book expect to get from it? Well, thank you, by the way, for the (laughs) lovely compliments. That's exactly what I was going for. So it means a lot to me that that's how the book came off. Um, So what this book is, this is not a recipe book. I think that we have some incredibly talented people doing beautiful cookbooks and teaching people like me how to cook. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I am no chef. And what I'm really interested in is how the heck we got to this place of relying on fake food and corporations and our government to tell us how to be healthy. So what I'm doing here is trying to expand this concept of paleo. So folks understand it's not just like a diet with a capital D. It is an exploration of history and human health and biology and common sense. And it's this conversation that continues to expand and grow. And there's a lot of room for personalization. And in the end, it's all just real food. But the important thing is, you know, as much as people like that concept, like, yeah, just eat real food, of course. Obviously, that sounds great. But what is real food? Well, when somebody tells you real food is egg yolks, animal protein, and giving up whole grains in favor of like starchier vegetables, they're like, wait a second, isn't that bad for me? And so I really felt like it was important for me to reveal all of the dogma around cholesterol, the demonization of saturated fat, the the low-fat diet trend, um, why we became afraid of animal protein, and debunking things like the China study, which I did with a ton of help from folks who have already combed through you know, a lot of the literature and distilled it into something a little bit more digestible. I've, I've tried to put that all in here. So any myth you can imagine, I've, I've pretty much busted it. And I think that context really, really helps. Yeah, and yeah. that's what I loved about your book, Liz. Like it's it's like you've just taken those kind of hot button topics that exist in the paleo world and those kind of questions and challenges that get thrown at paleo people and you've just like ticked them off one by one and just nailed them. <laughs> and I reckon that's really cool. So perhaps we can delve into some of that for our listeners. And and I'd sure. love to start with talking about the saturated fat, because that's obviously been in the news a bit lately. There's been some some more research coming out just recently that's that's hit a bit of media, at least down here in Australia. Um so I'd love you to talk about saturated fat and why that's been demonized and, and why perhaps it shouldn't be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's uh in the in the history of humanity, it's been like the last 40 or 50 years that we've even thought about saturated fat, cholesterol, what we should eat and and etc. For most of human history, it was like you eat what you can find and you hope it's not going to poison you. <laughs> so, when you kind of contextualize <laughs> these concerns about saturated fat and cholesterol, in the scope of human history, it's like this blip. And we are consumed by it because it's all we've ever known. But it is not something that's been around for that long. Furthermore, since we started fearing saturated fat and cutting out saturated fat and changing our diet to one based on industrial products, diet products, we haven't gotten any healthier. I know in the United States, rates of heart disease and stroke and diabetes, obesity have gone through the roof since basically eliminating and fearing saturated fat became Mm. official government policy. So science-wise, what we really have to do is first understand 
when somebody uses the words, they did a study, or when we read in the media, a study was done, that's usually third, fourth-hand information that is Mm -hmm. spun, like put through the ringer in order to eke out a sensationalist headline. And we really go into the literature and look at risk factors and what was actually studied versus how the media spun it. It is very rare that we find a truly solid study that implicates saturated fat without some really clear extraneous factors that really um, make the data questionable. So I know that's a really broad blanket statement, but the idea is start from real food, you know, natural saturated fat like that from butter or egg yolks or animal products has been a major part of the human diet for thousands of years. And since we've gotten rid of it, we've gotten less healthy. That sounds weird to me. So let's look at the science from that angle. What is the science really telling us? Who funded the studies? What kind of study is it? Is it a population study? Is it a dietary recall study? All of these things that come together to basically prove for me and hopefully for people that read my book that there is absolutely nothing to fear from natural saturated fat. The thing, the thing I really love about your approach there, Liz, is that um, personally, I'm a why learner. So when I read your book, I was getting all of this why, how this came to be and, uh-huh. and why it turned out the way it did. So I found that really engaging. And, and the book, yeah, is, is really, um, you, you can't put it down in that respect. So I was, I was interested to know from you, through your research and trying to uncover why some of the things happened the way they did with regards to nutritional mistakes we've made in the past. What were some of the biggest whoppers that you found like with regards to like corporate agendas and, and, and dirty tactics like that, that you discovered along the way? Oh my goodness. I love this question. You all probably got this from the book, but I'm obsessed with margarine. (laughs) (laughs) Not in a good way. Not like I want people eating margarine. Absolutely Uh not. But margarine is like this microcosm for Everything that happened to our food system over the course of 50, 60 or more years that brought trans fats into the food supply that set the foundation for the vegetable oil industry to become this huge enforcing um, entity in dietary choices. So I talk a lot about vegetable oils, right? We're told that they're healthy, like we should eat canola oil Canola is not a vegetable. It's a seed. Uh, Soybean oil is not. Soybeans are not vegetables. They're legumes. Cotton seed, that's not a vegetable either. But so we have this propaganda for industrial oils that are really just really profitable and were originally cultivated to support the margarine industry and, you know, the fake butter industry. And we all know that butter is superior to almost everything, food and not food on the planet. But so we have these quote unquote vegetable oils that aren't even made from vegetables that are just cheap commodity products that can be sold, you know, byproducts like soy lecithin is in everything. Soybean meal goes to factory farms. And so everything that I'm kind of fighting against is right there in the margarine microcosm. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, Uh, don't eat margarine. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, Liz, because you can just feel the passion just coming through and I can tell you're getting pumped up and fired up here. So it's it's brilliant. (laughs) And so while we've got you on a roll, we're going to move on to one of the others that you talk about in your book. And and I think one that just gets such a beat up in the media is is animal protein. You know, it seems that just with such regularity, there's people just in the media talking about animal protein with just this assumption that it's bad and it's going to cause cancer and kidney issues and liver issues and and all of those things. And, And I know you've covered that in the book, but I'd love you to just talk about that a bit for our listeners as well. Absolutely. I think that I talk in the book about kind of the advent of modern vegetarianism. It was really a new thing. I mean, right around, oh gosh, what's the chapter? Kellogg's Flaccid Flakes, I think is in the book where I talk about how John Harvey Kellogg, who basically is the man behind cornflakes, was really one of the first people to propagandize a vegetarian diet for health. And surprise, surprise, he had a product to sell as well. But there were a lot of things that contributed to this fear of animal protein. I think it started out with this false fear that was pushed upon us of saturated fat and cholesterol, because as we know, animal products are rich in saturated fat and cholesterol. So people are already kind of amenable to this idea that those things are bad. And so it's a lot easier when you have that preconceived notion to be like, oh, well, then I guess animal protein must be bad. And then we have people like T. Colin Campbell who come around and do some research um, that I also talk about in Eat the Yolks. I talk about the China study and the many, many myriad problems behind the China study that were originally brought to light by Denise Minger, who wrote Death by Food Pyramid, and Chris Masterjohn, who's just a nutrition science genius. Absolutely love that guy. But I think we were more amenable to fearing animal protein because we were already afraid of cholesterol and saturated fat. And then, you know, I think it's really important to point out, I do talk about, you know, the importance of complete protein and B12, which we can only get from animal products. But Another thing that I really talk about a lot in the book is that not all animal products are created equal. So just like um, a tomato grown in a shower of herbicides and pesticides and stripped soil is not going to be as nutritious, an animal raised in a factory farming environment is not going to be as nutritious as an animal raised naturally on pasture eating the food it was designed to eat. So there is, I'm not just like pro animal products, regardless of quality. I think it really does come down to where are your animal products coming from and, and what's the quality of those foods. The same as with any vegetable or fruit. So there's, I mean, there's a ton of angles to this issue, but really, I, I think I did a pretty good job addressing all of them in the in the protein chapter. What do you guys think? Oh, totally. I would absolutely stick in that. Nailed it. Sweet. <laughs> um, something else that I absolutely love about your book, Liz, like apart from taking the blinkers off um, in terms of the way that we, we look at food and, and what it can do for us, um, you also arm us with some really great information to be able to help, um, well, in your words, fight food lies. So mm-hmm. we've all got those people that we know at work or, or friends or colleagues or family and um, they're the naysayers, oh no, but you have to have your three glasses of milk, etc. Um, <laughs> can you give us maybe like your top three um, points for, for helping people um, fight back with, with those types of sentiments? Oh my goodness, that's such a good question. I don't, I'm not good at thinking this fast on my feet. <laughs> but I guess 
this is what I always say. When somebody says something that I know to be not true or just riddled with food, food policy agenda, that type of thing, the words that I always say are, where'd you hear that? Or who told you that? Because mm. usually people can't, people don't know. You know, I, I thought I was supposed to not eat cholesterol. Who told you that? My doctor, well, well, who told him that? You know, like, where is this information coming from? And I guess it's a little harder with things like cholesterol and saturated fat because that's so, so steeped. The medical community is so steeped in those myths. And But when it comes to things like milk, you have to get your three glasses a day for calcium. I like to just kind of say, where'd you get that information? Mm. Oh my gosh. But listen to what I heard about the campaign for got milk in the United States that was basically a a driving force behind the factory farming dairy industry. I don't know. I mean, gosh, that's such a good question. And I wasn't, uh, wasn't ready for it. Let me think. I think you've done a pretty good job as, as so far. That's, yeah, I love I think, like, I think you did it well, Liz. Yeah. It, it kind what? of reminds me of the answer for one of my favorites. He's a guy who's a Canadian chiropractor called James Chestnut. And uh, he always <laughs> says, oh, that, that sounds interesting. You know, where's the study and can I have a copy? I love that. that. (laughs) Because that sort of just makes them realize that they actually haven't read the research and they don't really actually know. So, um, Liz, you spoke quite a bit in your book about nutrients and, you know, vitamins A and K and D and omega-3s and and those sort of things. And I'd love you to talk a little bit about, you know, what your take is on those and and how much of that we can get from real food and whether we need to supplement and those sort of things. I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective on that. So, I said earlier that I'm really into seeking nutrients Um, And that's why I had a chapter devoted to nutrients. I talk about calories in there, but I think one of the biggest pitfalls in modern nutrition is that we talk too much about calories, but we never talk about what comes with your calories. So that's why I'm so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really probably unhealthily obsessed with nutrients, but not a bad thing to be obsessed with. So That's why I I put this chapter on nutrients in there because I really want folks to think about food in terms of how it's nourishing our bodies and what it's actually giving our bodies to work with versus just thinking of it as like calories in, calories out. Because to even generate energy, which is what we're actually talking about when we're talking about calories, your body needs B6, magnesium, all kinds of nutrients for the generation of energy. So it always comes down to nutrients. And I talk about the fat-soluble vitamins, vitamins A, D, and K, because I really think in this low-fat diet craze, we forgot about them. We forgot about the nutrition that comes with fat, and I think that we suffered for that. I really do. Um, Dental health is one really just glaring example of how important the fat-soluble vitamins are before we're even born. You know, if if our moms don't have good nutrition, good intake of the fat-soluble vitamins A, D, and K... It can show up as as dental issues in children, and I know I had tons of dental issues as a kid, and it really doesn't surprise me anymore. So, skin health, dental health, um, even your resistance to sunburn is partly affected by fat soluble vitamins. It's like they do everything. They interact with water soluble vitamins like beta carotene and the B vitamins to just bring us to full health. So that's why I think they're so important. Liz, in your book, you talk a little bit about um, Western A price. And and this was one of the things that uh, really introduced me to the importance of nutrients-dense foods. Um, Mm -hmm. What's what's your take on um, sort of those ancestral foods like in the way of, you know, organ meats and so forth? And how 
How do they come into play in a paleo diet? I think they're pretty critical in a paleo diet. I think we often focus too much on foods we already know are okay, like chicken, broccoli, and coconut oil. So we're just eliminating foods rather than adding more good foods into our diet that we weren't eating before. And really, shellfish, organ meats, things like that are so nutrient-dense. Liver is an amazing source of vitamin A. There's just really no substitute in a box or a bag or a capsule. I really just think we all ideally need to try, just like dip our toes in this pool of nose-to-tail eating. It's I can't say I love, when you were asking that question, I was like, I love them. But then I was like, I don't love them. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love what they do for me. I don't love them. But it's fun. It's fun to experiment and be, you know, a real food, you know, hardcore cool guy. And I also think, you know, we've been talking about this lately, um, just in my, my food nerd circles is insects are (laughs) a real, it's a source of worldwide nutrition. We just, we don't eat those because we're spoiled quite frankly. And I think that's a really fun place to look too. There's some new, uh, protein bars based around cricket flowers, just like crickets and some chocolate. Have you guys tried those? We haven't tried the protein bars specifically, but we have a fantastic nutritionist over here who uh, who was looking into that. But yeah, we've we've starting to see stuff pop up on Instagram around protein bars yeah. from Cricket Flour and stuff. And yeah. you're right, uh, from a sustainability point of view and bang for buck, it sounds mm-hmm. amazing. Hey, uh, Steve, yes. I'm just going to chuck something out there, mate. But I think when we get to cave camp, we're going to have to actually try some crickets. And we might even have to record it and put it on YouTube, I reckon. Whoa, yes. get crazy. So done. <laughs> <laughs> we, Liz, we've got our girl who does the crickets is coming to our cave camp and she's going to help us out with the food. And so uh, I think awesome. we're going to have to definitely commit to giving it a go, I reckon. Cricket, yeah. cricket flower bliss first? bombs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so Liz, just to, just to sort of wrap it up a little bit, I love the conclusion of your book where it's sort of you just go through and talk about where we've been, where we're going, how we got there, and then finally where to begin. And so I thought just to wrap it up that that where to begin would be just a great spot for our listeners just to give them some basic tips of okay you've got this great info you know what's the next best thing to do from here you know where should they start just start (laughs) i mean really you don't have to know everything immediately just one step in the right direction be patient with yourself be persistent keep learning just start somewhere it doesn't matter where yeah. And, and what about for those of our listeners who are already into it? Like what's one extra thing that you reckon most paleo people could add in to do even better? Eat some liver. Oh, <laughs> right there. Can we just edit Eat that out? Thanks. Liver. No. <laughs> <laughs> some sardines and some liver and, uh, and you know what? The lifestyle stuff too. Lay mm. down, sleep, breathe, enjoy life. Go to cave camp. Yes. Nice. Oh, we, got that. we got that recorded, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, Liz, you have just laid down nugget after nugget of pure gold in, in this uh, interview. So thank you so much um, for your inspiration. I know that I'm feeling really motivated and um, looking to see how else I can take things to the next level. For our viewers at home, um, you know, make sure you grab a copy of um, Liz's latest book, Eat the Yolks, and you can get this by clicking on our Facebook link or by hitting the We Recommend link on our website at thatpaleoshow.com. 
For those of you that like what you heard today, and who wouldn't, uh, if you're looking to accelerate your health journey even more, everything you need from books to skincare help and podcasts that tackle all of your wellness questions, um, it's all available at the home of Cave Girl Eats. Go to www.realfoodliz.com. She's just recently changed her name across, so it's realfoodliz.com. While you're there, you can also sign up for exclusive subscriber-only posts delivered straight to your inbox every Monday. So there you go. It's totally free and a totally awesome way to kick off your week. Everyone wants a little piece of Liz in their inbox. (laughs) You can also keep up to speed with um, what Liz is up to by liking Cave Girl Eats on Facebook, subscribing to Cave Girl Eats on YouTube, and following Cave Girl Eats on Twitter and Instagram. As always, we hope you all enjoyed the show as much as we did. Make sure you tell us what you think. And until next time, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Go to thatpaleoshow.com, share your story and help to grow the paleo tribe worldwide. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.